Now, now, real people, real opinions. Nighttime talk with Niall Boylan. Ireland's classic hits radio. Alison Garrett is known as America's prison break coach. And that really sounds interesting, doesn't it? And it is. Her early life was plagued with abuse, addiction and crime. But with a criminal history, low self-esteem and no one to guide her, she went to prison, but later developed her own methods of recovery by redefining success. She refused to allow her ex-offender status to define her. While having many natural barriers, she recognised that her greatest barrier was her own thinking and her own behaviour. And she joins me on the line, Alison Garrett. Good evening to you. Good evening. Thank you so much for having me now. You're welcome. Wilmington, by the way. Where is Wilmington, by the way? Yes, Wilmington, Delaware. Most people don't know Delaware unless they just pass through, but we're near Philadelphia, in between Philly and New Jersey. Okay, okay. So you yourself have, you're kind of well-known at this stage now, you've done a lot of TED Talks, and you're a certified NLP practitioner, you're a life coach, an entrepreneur, but let's go back to the start. Your life was a mess, essentially. Yeah, pretty much. Okay, so what led you down that road of abuse, addiction, crime? I mean, how did you, when you think back in hindsight now, how did you get involved in that life of crime? Well, looking back, I really understand that it just came from, you know, my childhood. I lost my parents when I was a teenager. I lost my mom when I was 13 and my dad two years later. Oh, I'm so when sorry. I was 15. Thank you. And those were my adoptive parents, actually. So I think that just stemming from not really having guidance, um, you know, I didn't like the way my life was. I felt like my life was so different from people around me and my friends and, and all of that. So I started running away and that kind of perpetuated into other things, um, you know, mm. just trying to escape the life that I had and trying to find ways to live on my own and not really being able to do that just by, you know, couldn't have a job or anything like that during that time. And things just kind of snowballed. And were you, were you hanging out with the wrong people? And no, You know what's funny is I never really was hanging out with the wrong people. Um, I was literally doing these things on my own oh, okay. without people around. So no one knew this life that I had lived. It really was just uh, survival for me is how it started. Um, and then the more I kind of progressed, I just started trying other things and doing other things. So it was very isolating. I didn't really have a crew that, that I was hanging out with. So what, I mean, you obviously committed quite a few crimes to have to obviously end up in jail. I don't know how the prison system works in, in America, but here in Ireland, you kind of get away with a little bit on suspended sentences, et cetera, et cetera, until eventually they get tired of yes. you and they put you and they put you in jail. So what yeah. what did you do that ended you up actually in prison? Well, that was literally the way you describe it is the way that it was. It was like probation, then violate probation, then house arrest and kind of continue to go down that path until I got in front of a judge that said, nope, this time you're going to, you know, you're going to spend some time in prison. So it was mostly, uh, started out with writing bad checks, you know, theft, petty theft, shoplifting, things of that nature. Um, and then I would work for a company and then I would utilize, uh, the, you know, utilize the company's resources for myself. Mm -hmm. um, so it ended up being, you know, like multiple thefts and forgeries. Okay. And how long did you get in jail? What was your sentence? 
Um, I was given a seven year sentence, but I was released after two years um, on parole. Okay. But that was that was quick for a seven year sentence. I mean, normally over here they get kind of twenty five percent off for good behavior or whatever it happens to be. But that that was pretty good to get two years out of seven years. Yeah, and it was well, you know, during that time it was overcrowding. My crimes were considered nonviolent, so I was not considered um, a threat you know, to like society. A, a threat. And yeah, I had yeah, and I had been you know, so it was um, pretty much able to, you know, go through on my first time around. My sentence was just so harsh because of all the mitigating factors and being declared uh, habitual. So when you were sitting there in your cell in jail, you know, in the middle of that kind of two-year sentence, what were you thinking to yourself? Were you thinking what everybody in jail is thinking, I'm going to go straight? Or did you genuinely think, I'm going to go straight, I've made a mess of my life? Yeah, no, I kind of thought, like, I wasn't really sure. Like, I didn't think I was normal because of the crimes that I committed or the ways that I felt, you know, when I was um, being in this, this life, um, I really worked on myself to figure out why do I think the way I think, you know, even though if my back was against the wall, what would make me do something that someone else in that same situation would never do. Mm -hmm. So it was more of never wanting to go back, but also recognizing that I had done this multiple times and just didn't end up there. So I was really trying to disrupt the pattern and figure out what made me continue to do it, even though the risk was still there the whole time. Um, mm -hmm. And figuring out what could I do so that I could earn a real living um, without feeling the pressure of having to feel something to have what I needed. Because that temptation is there for all of us, isn't it? You know, I mean, look, we could steal and we could have what we wanted or we could commit fraud and have what we wanted. But there's something within most of us that stops us from doing that. We'd rather be broke, poor and in poverty than steal. Uh, so there's something yeah. inbuilt within us. You had lost that ability to see the right and the wrong, but then regained it again, I suppose, somewhat in prison. Oh, yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Yes. So I had the ability, but it was sort of... um became my only way. So that was like my first, that was my first choice yeah. as opposed to, you know, thinking of other things or not necessarily understanding that I did have resources, um, but I wasn't very resourceful. So it was really just a whole mindset shift. I had, you know, that's where prison break coach comes from is I had to break myself from my own mental prison of the patterns and the behaviors that I developed um, from things that happened to me in my childhood. Yeah, so you had to go from thinking, okay, if I want that car, if I want that house, if I want that, you know, those clothes or that watch or that bit of jewellery, I've got to steal to get it. Where you went from that to thinking, I've got to be successful to get it. I've got to make money to get yes. it. I've got to have a job to get it. So you, it's changing yes. that mindset. And, and you now train audiences to overcome being trapped in a, as you say, the self-imposed prison of life setbacks by giving them strategic steps to help them ultimately, you know, get their own dreams. And we always talk about the storyboard, you know, putting things on the storyboard. Um, and I've heard that so many yes. times. So how do you train somebody to, to get that mindset to be positive? And, and I've done this throughout my life, by the way. I've always set goals for myself. And thankfully, I've achieved yes. many of those goals. Some I haven't achieved, but some, most of them I have achieved. Uh, and it's yes. setting a goal, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And it's more of a, a, a intention, right? So I, I think what I learned was 
there was a process to it. And if I wanted to have something, I had to be something and I had to do certain things to achieve that. So it was really going backwards. Like the way that I had normally done it was, oh, I, I don't have to do all of those things to get it. Um, so it came with um, practical um, steps mm-hmm. that people don't really think about. It's sort of a pattern interrupt or all the things that you think you knew or how to do it, you have to learn it all over again. Yeah, because I suppose we are, I suppose, as children, you know, we're, we're, some people use different words. Brainwashing is probably the best word to use into a way of thinking yeah. and a way that we achieve things. And sometimes yeah. it's the wrong way. And, and I suppose yeah. it's, re, it's basically re-educating yourself. It just like you would with oh, math sure. or as you would with English or whatever it is, it's just re-educating yourself. Yes. And, and I think more on a deeper level, I had to realize what was the source of my thinking and my choices, which, which is what I teach other women, mm-hmm. is there's, there's a place from which we make choices. So mine was always in a desperate mode which means I didn't really have time to think or put it together. And if I always made choices out of that desperation, out of that feeling um, that I had, then I would always make the choice that was probably not the best choice. Mm -hmm. And because I had so many terrible things happen in my childhood, it was almost my way of showing the world that um, they owed me something. Right. So, If I took something, it was typically from a person or a group that I felt wouldn't miss it because they had everything and I had nothing. Yeah, which we all know is not the right way to think. Now, so absolutely, when you got out of jail, did you get it? You mm-hmm. obviously got a job. Yes, I got a job um, as a nail technician, and it was the first time that I was really honest with um, an employer or someone that I worked for or worked with. You know, he had asked me about my experience and I told him where I had been the last few years um, and he decided to give me a chance. And I think that was the first time that I recognized that telling the truth helped me as opposed to how I used to feel like it would hurt me. So I told him where I had been and he said, well, we can't worry about that. If you are looking to work and this is what you want to do and that's that's where it started. It was, you know, he told me to do some things to get my licensing for that particular um, state. I did it and he gave me an opportunity. And that was where I made a commitment that I would always tell the truth about my past if I were compelled or someone would ask. I'm good for him because a lot of employers, when they hear you've been incarcerated, would take a second look and they may not even give you the opportunity. And was there, was there, sure. any, was there any point in that particular employment where you were... Tem- you were kind of tempted to go back down the wrong road again? I mean, was there a point when he nipped out during the day or the boss nipped out and you saw, you know, $50 in the register and you went, I'm good, I could take that? No, it was really, it was really, I was really done. I was really done with it. You know, I think that, um, I think the honesty part really helped because everything pr- prior to that point had been a secret, right? Even if I was struggling, it was a secret. No one knew, even when I went to court that day and got sentenced, no one even knew that I was going to court to be sentenced. So I think that that liberated me in a sense of someone trusted me, but in a different way, right? Mm. So I could 
prior to that, I could go work at a job because they trusted me, but they also didn't know about my past or my history. This is someone who, um, it was a different level of accountability because how dare I even think about doing something like that with someone who already knows where I've been. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, that makes sense. And by the way, did the idea of going back to jail, did that frighten you? I mean, was was jail a frightening place for you? Um, you know, it's funny because when I was there, people thought that I should have been more sad than I was when they would come to visit. And jail for me was rest. It was where I was able to really look at my life and evaluate it where I wasn't like on go or on the move or always trying to think of something. There was no one to impress. You know, I didn't have to come up with a way to, you know, pay for something that I couldn't afford. It could yeah. be a rent or a car. Like it was like I, everyone was the same. I didn't have to worry about how I looked, how I dressed. We were all treated equally based on a number. Mm-hmm. So I think for me, it was like a, um, uh, a learning like a, curve. A, yeah. A retreat. Yeah. It was like a really just like sit down and sit still and really think about your life um, and have time to reflect. That's really what it was for me. Okay. So you're in this, you're a nail technician. Uh, in this place, doing people's nails and what have you, I assume, and whatever else. So mm-hmm. where where was the break for you then to get into your own business? Because people will be happy to know you're now the CEO of Pamper Perfect Mobile Spa, and you're also the creator of the Prison Break Success System. So you're obviously reason well, when I say reasonably, you're very successful now. So yes. where where was the point where you went from being the nail technician and just having you know your average, probably reasonably minimum wage job, to having your own business? Yeah, well, it was what what I learned was as I continued to just share different things about my life and what I desired to do, it kind of presented itself to me, which is sort of a, a way to, to manifest. I had a client who was into personal development, um, and she was a, a life coach, and she shared with me an opportunity to uh, be trained by a company to become a coach with them, the online coaching program. So I got into coaching that way. And then um, the nails was, I always looked at the mobile spot as an option while I was incarcerated because I knew that I could not really let the fact that I had felonies stop me from earning a livable wage. So what if someone didn't give me a job? What was my plan? So my plan was always to um, own a mobile spa. And it just came at a time when I was able to start doing the gigs, while I was working until one day I earned enough doing the gig where it met and exceeded my income doing nails. So it just kind of all blossomed at the same time. And that particular business, uh, Pamper Perfect Mobile Spa, I'm not a woman, so I have no clue what it actually does. (laughs) But (laughs) I'm assuming it's an all over thing. It's probably spray tans and all sorts of things and everything else. Well, yeah. We go on site and we do spa parties, but it includes manicures, pedicures, massages, and facials. So a group of girls get together and they want to do services. Um, they call us, and then we bring all the equipment and supplies to the location in the areas that we are available. And we also do corporate events for wellness days um, and things like that. So we also have corporate clients as well. Yeah, I'm looking at your website here, by the way. Great website. 
But oh, I'm lo- yes, a, yes. A, a lot of happy people showing their nails off, <laughs> and people yes, people hanging around yes. in gowns, looking good and looking happy. For uh, sure, yes. I, and you spend a lot of time now as well with women. Um, you know, advocating for women who are incarcerated, criminal in criminal justice yes. involved in females and gender specific programming. Um, so I suppose you want to then pass this education on to other women because for you, you probably would have liked someone to come to you just before you ended up in jail and said, "Listen, this is not the Absolutely. way you do it." Yes, and that's kind of how it how it started. Is looking at, um, I was fortunate because I did have support while I was incarcerated, and I started to recognize like what women were lacking um, in their lives outside of prison, which is what, you know, caused them to go down that path, which I absolutely, you know, obviously um, it resonated with me in the same way. So it was, what do women really need? And what is missing? What are, you know, what are they not getting? Why is the recidivism rate so high? What is it um, that's going on? And there's just a lot of common threads there. And because women started to go to prison at a faster rate than men, I think it was hard for the criminal justice system to even catch up with what did women need specifically, because you can't treat both genders the same when it comes to recovery um, and reentry. And what's the statistics like, by the way, in America? Are women more likely to reoffend than men or are men more likely? Now, I, I know it's very crime specific, by the way, crimes of a sexual nature. Obviously, people are more likely to reoffend. But generally speaking, are women more likely to reoffend than men? I don't think it's specific to um, men and women, like who's more likely to reoffend. But there's just some common threads on who is more likely to reoffend anyway, and it okay. really just comes from you know like what they you know what not getting what they what they need. Yeah, it's socioeconomic, of course. Period, yeah. yeah, okay. Yeah, within a certain period of time, within two years, typically most people who go to prison um, are back. And it's more so because of the collateral consequences or the strictness of the probation system that doesn't, it's not really set up to help. It's mm-hmm. almost like looking for the things for you to do so that you can go back. Yeah, well, it's the same over here. People are just released from prison with no support or very little support by the right. Irish Penal Service. And, you know, and they go back and commit crimes again uh, because there's nobody yep. nobody to help them, nobody to give them, find them somewhere to live or whatever it happens to be. Mm-hmm. Or give them a break, like the break that you got. By the way, I know you do TED Talks. and I'm going to play a little clip here. If people want to hear more of the TED Talks, they can go online. But just bear with me, Alison. I want to play a little clip of this okay, TED perfect. Talk. Stay there, okay? There's this idea that when we find ourselves in a very difficult situation, we will do whatever it takes to escape, right? But the reality is that when you no longer feel that you are in control of your destiny, you eventually give up and you accept the situation exactly the way it is. So while we're created to do extraordinary things Most often, we're so limited by our past experiences that we just live an old, ordinary life. Programmed ordinary created extraordinary. Very interesting that we kind of, we give in, Alison, and people want to hear the rest of that, by the way, that TED Talk, they can go online and listen to it. But we kind of give in when we, we tried a few things and it doesn't work out for us. We kind of give in and we just accept that, look, I'm a loser. (laughs) <laughs> you know where yeah. we shouldn't right right and and that and the, and what i have um you know my experience has taught me that 
this was something that was not just about incarceration. This was just about women or people. And that's kind of where it started for me with understanding that, okay, although I was in a physical prison, some people may never have experienced that, but many women have experienced that mental prison. And it comes from that place of, you know, you know what? Tried this before. I'm not going to do it again. I'm just going to give up and accept it. You know, just be ordinary, just like everybody else. Push back on your dreams and and all of that. So it's just a whole mindset that doesn't necessarily mean physical prison. And I like your motto, by the way. That old motto that we used to have: if at first you don't succeed, try try again, which is the old motto. Yes. But your motto is: at first, if you don't succeed, redefine success which is redefine the parameters of what you believe is success because success is not necessarily yeah. about making millions. Success is, right. you know, is achieving what the goal was to be successful or to, you know, have a lot Absolutely. of people buy your product. Even if you didn't make millions out of it, it worked. Try something else that might work even better. You know what I mean? So it's redefining that success yeah. as you go along. Yes. And, and it's redefining it for yourself. Most of us, if we're really honest, we start out living the lives that someone else kind of molded us to live. Like, oh, you should do this. This would be great. Or if you did this, you'd make a whole lot of money. Or everyone is doing this, right? So we just kind of learn to go with what everyone else is doing. We conform. Mm -hmm. But do we really sit down and think, like, redefine success for for yourself? Like, success might be for me to just have a great family or to, you know, whatever that is, instead of pushing yourself to be something that you're not true to. But isn't that the ultimate success for people? The ultimate success and something probably you could have never imagined when you were young and committing crimes was having a wonderful husband, two amazing children. You mentioned two bonus children, by the way. I'm not too sure what the two bonus... What's the two (laughs) bonus children, by the way? Yes, yes, yes. Well, um, my my husband uh, has a daughter. Oh, okay. So stepchildren. Yes. Yeah, okay. Yes, and, and I have a goddaughter that is like my... This is like my child. Okay. And you have two granddaughters and a lot of supportive friends and sisters and sisters' friends. So if people want to get more information, by the way, it's a wonderful story and I think a great story of success. And you're doing really well now. Congratulations, by the way, for turning your life around and turning it into something very successful and helping others too. So if people want to get more information, can they follow you on social? What socials are you on? What Instagram? Yes, I'm I'm on all of the socials, um, but you'll find me on on Instagram. I am Allison T. Garrett. Okay, Allison and T. On Garrett. Facebook, yeah. Garrett, yes, G-A-R-R-E-T-T. Okay. Um, my website is prisonbreakcoach.com. Okay. And I'm also on Facebook under Prison Break Coach. Okay, prisonbreakcoach.com, probably the easiest way to find you, or Allison T. Garrett yes. if you want to go on to Instagram. Allison, it's been wonderful talking to you, and I'm sure a lot of people find it quite inspirational to listen to people like yourself um, who have, because there, there, there are people listening out there who think maybe their lives is a mess at the moment and things are not working out too well. And I think, I think your motto is great. If at first you don't succeed, forget about the old motto of try, try again. That's, yeah. not, a, that's not a good motto. Redefine yeah, the success. You don't have time to try. Yeah, <laughs> redefine it. Yeah, redefine <laughs> what success is. And success, by the way, for some people, is just being happily married with two children and things going okay and just having enough money to get you by. That's success for some people. But for some people, they want a bit more than that. That's fine too. But listen, thank you very Absolutely. much indeed, Alison. It's been wonderful talking thank to you. Thank you. Thank oh, you. Wonderful. Thanks so much for the opportunity. Bye bye. 
Now, now, real people, real opinions. Nighttime talk with Niall Boylan. Ireland's classic hits radio.